Okay, so we're going to talk about what changed lives in the next four weeks. And this morning, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about numbers. You know, numbers, you, you know what numbers are? I mean, for, man, the last two or three decades, I guess, it's like been one of the arguments in the church world is, oh, that church, they're all about numbers. You ever heard that about somebody? You heard that about a church? They're all about numbers. And then I've heard those churches say, yeah, because every number is a person, so we're all about numbers. And we've said that too. It's because every number is a person. So yeah, exactly. But what are the numbers that really, really matter? That's the challenge for us today, okay? That's really the thing that God laid on my heart for this very first sermon in this series is what are the numbers that matter? What numbers matter? What no, you know, because there's all kind of numbers. And listen, it doesn't mean that all numbers don't matter to some extent, but some matter more than others. So what are the numbers that matter to God? That's the question, right? Not what are the numbers that are important to pastor or what are the numbers that are important to the kids' church? What are the numbers that are important to God? What, what numbers matter to God today? What, what's, what is the number that every church is counting today? What is the number that every church is counting? Attendance, right? So is, is, is that what matters to God? Because that's the one. I mean, it's like every, and, and when you ask a question about a church, you know, I mean, one of the questions, you know, there's lots of questions you ask about a church, but one of the first ones people want to know about a church was how big is it? I mean, that's, that's the number that is important to us for some reason. We count that number, count that number, count that number. I, I, just, I just told our leaders that our leadership development just a couple of weeks ago, I, I just told them, I said, you know, this is going to maybe sound crazy to some of you, but I really don't care about the number on Sunday morning. I, 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 on Sunday morning anymore. I don't care about the attendance number that much. And I, I know pastors aren't supposed to say that because you're supposed to care about that thing, but, but follow me here and understand what I'm saying, okay? Because I don't know that that's really what God is concerned about is the number of attendance on Sunday morning. Okay, what's, what's another, another number? You know what? Another number that people ask about is how big the church is. You know, like it's kind of a square footage thing. Maybe they don't ask square footage, but how big the church is. How big is your building? You know, how, how many services do you have? How, how many square feet? How many classrooms? How many Sunday school classes? How many kids' church classrooms do you have? You know, how big's the stage? How many, how many members in, in the, on the worship team, you know, and, and all those things and asking those things about how, how big in, in that way and those numbers that are there as well. And you know what? I, I just don't think that's what God's into. I don't think God called us to be a church to count how big our building is, to count how, how many classrooms we have, even to count how many people necessarily are here right now, that, that's not really what God wants us to excel in, in counting numbers, is it? Is it? Is it? It's not. You know, there's some numbers that are more important than all of those numbers. And uh, let, me, let me ask you, can I, can I get somebody to just whisper something with me? It's not about the building. Would you whisper that with me? It's not about the building, Okay. Now, we used to say that all the time when we had an old building. You know, it's like, we're, it is not about this old building. Now we got this building, we want our own building, right? So now, so now it's about a building, right? But, hey, it's not about the building. Let me, let me share with you a couple of numbers that I think do matter. And one of them is an update. I'll give you an update. You remember last summer um, that we gave you a, a, a number uh, of our unchurched that are presently attending 2911? And you, you remember that was, that was one of our goals is to eventually be 50% unchurched, meaning that the people that, that, that come to Church 2911, 
50% of them, of our regular attenders, were not going anywhere before coming here, that we didn't go out and steal somebody else's members, you know, that, but, but that's what we focused on. You remember that? And, and the number was, you remember last summer what the number was, anybody? 51.2%, and man, we cheered and cheered, you know, because we got there. And when pastors ask me and other ministers ask me, and I tell them about that, of course, I was posting that online, you know, on Facebook, and, and, and people were asking me, you know, how did you do that? And I shared some things with them, and, and it is amazing to them. And then you know what we did? We raised our goal to 60%. And you know, you know the getting above that 50% was one thing, but getting that 60, that's, that's going to be even tougher. You know, and if we try to go any higher than that, but this past week, we checked the number again. And we've had quite a few people come in, you know, since we counted this number back in the summer. And some of you have come from other churches. So, you know, like, like I said, when we gave you that number before, it's like kind of worries me a little bit because y'all going to skew our numbers, you know, if you come from other churches. It's going to mess us up. It's going to make it harder for us to, to get that number. But we checked it this week. And guess, you, you ready? You ready? Ready? Here's the number. Here's the new number. 54% just in seven months. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That means there have been another couple of dozen unchurched people, people that were not going anywhere. That's our focus. Because the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20, is not go ye therefore into all the Baptist churches and Methodist churches and bring all the people you can to your church. That's not the, that's not the Great Commission. It is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the Great Commission, and that's what God, now I'm, I'm really going to talk a good bit more about this and about how we got here and those things in the fourth sermon of this series. But let me just say it real quickly right here. Is this is who God has called us to be? Boom, this right there. Now we've got about six more percent we've got to get to get that goal and let's keep going. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be awesome one day to get up in the 90s or something and say that most, almost every person in this building were going nowhere before the, that can happen. But let me tell you one of the reasons this has happened. I had you whisper something a minute ago. You remember? One of the reasons this has happened is because of the building we're in right now. Look, this number, right, our next number is 44. We have 44 new regular attenders since April the 20th of last year. Somebody say praise God for that. Amen. 44. And I got my eye on about four more of you that we want to add to that number because you've been visiting here lately. So we hope you just make this home, you know, and you just stay. And so I got about four more of you that I'm th I've already thought about in this service. I'm, I was sitting here just a few moments ago and I thought about some of you. And I thought, man, we need to add them. They need, it needs to be 48. But do you remember what's significant about that date right there? Anybody know what's significant about that date? That was our first service in this building. That means there are 44 people who are regular attenders of this church that never went to that old building. That this is the place they began. And so, listen, I, I know this is what's real easy for those of you who were in our old building, now you're here. It's like, you think, okay, when are we going to get to our building? You're, for those of you who were there, you remember a couple of weeks before we moved to this building, moved out of our old building and moved here. You'll remember a sermon that I preached about, or I hope you do, I hope you remember sermons at least a year, you know, if, if I refer back to them, you know, uh, it, I hope you remember that long. But I talked about how God was going to take us on the road. That for a church to be successful, relating it to basketball, because it was the March Madness series, you know, talking about some things relating it to basketball. And, and for a church to be successful, and when we talk about successful or getting wins, we're talking about this kind of stuff, reaching new people. 
about discipling people and helping people become what God intended they be. And so for a church to be successful in that, a church just like any great basketball team, just like any championship basketball team, has to learn to win, play well, and win on the road. And two weeks later, God took us on the road, and now here we are on the road. It's like every week, we're, we're not in our own building, we're on the road. We're playing in a stadium that doesn't belong to us. We're in an arena that doesn't belong to us. We rent this place. Every, every Sunday morning, people are here at 8 o'clock to unload two trailers and start setting this up. And right after service, we've got to break it down and go out. We're playing on the road every single week. And God has orchestrated this. And so you know what we've done is we've embraced this. We thought we'd be here three months. You know, we've been here 10 months now. And, and we've embraced this because God has put us in a place that we're reaching people that we would have never reached in that little bitty building, or maybe not in any church building. And some of you might not have ever come to a church building, but you started coming here to see what is different about this church, and you're here. Or maybe it's just because it's closer to you, maybe just because you just saw the advertisement. But for whatever reason, this building has brought at least 44 new regular attenders to Church 2911. Those are numbers that matter. Okay, like this. In 2006, a really good movie. I've only seen it. Normally, if I really love a movie, I'll see it two or three, four times. I've actually only seen this movie one time. I think I saw it like the half end of it one time again, you know, when it, I turned on TNT or something, and there it was, and so I watched the rest of it. In 2006, there was a movie with Ashton Kutcher and uh, 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 Kevin Costner called The Guardian. And they were in the, in the Coast Guard now. Uh, Kevin Costner, he was a, a well-decorated uh, Coast Guard swimmer. He had rescued a lot of people, and so he had a lot of medals and all of that. And so now he was a trainer for the Coast Guard. And, and in this new recruiting class, there was this smart aleck, hotshot kid who never much lost at anything, pretty much won everything he'd ever tried. You know, don't you hate those people, you know? You know, you, you work really hard. I got a cousin like that. You know, you, you go out and practice and then somebody just hands him a baseball and, you know, and he, you know, and, and a bat and he knocks it over the fence, you know, or is it something. You, you hate people like that, don't you? I mean, that's who Ashton Kutcher was. And he, he was kind of the, he, he was the hot shot kid. And he had come there to be the best. He was going to be the top of his class. He was going to break every single record. And a lot of those records belong to Kevin Costner's character. And so one of the things Kutcher wanted to know is he always wanted to know, well, what, what's your number? Because he had heard, it, it was, man, it was over 100, maybe 200, maybe, maybe 250, maybe three. He had already always heard he had rescued 200 or more people in, 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 in his lifetime as a, as, a, as a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. And so he's always wanting to know and always wanting to know because he had to know. I mean, if I'm going to break that record, I don't even know what I'm shooting for, Right. And so one day he's really, he's really getting into it with uh, Costner and, he, and, and he, find, he asks him, he says, what's your real number? And Costner says, finally tells him, he says, 22. And, you know, and Kutcher almost, he almost, he almost just, almost laughs, you know. It's, it's like, oh, now he's got a smirk. I mean, he's got that smart aleck smile on his face, <laughs> 22. And he says, 22, that's a good number. It's not as good as 200. And Costner interrupts him and says, 22 are the ones I lost. It's the only ones I ever counted. See, sometimes we're confused about what we need to be counting. Because the 200, 300, however many, because he doesn't even know he didn't count those, that he saved, those, those two or 300 that he saved are not near as important as the 22 he couldn't get to that make him drive to make sure, to do everything he can. 
Because if we're not careful, I, I know the 200 or the 300, however many he saved, those are important. But if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll say, wow, look at all that we saved and we forget about those. But as long as we keep focusing on those, it means, man, we'll keep working hard and we'll save more and more and more because we, we can't ever get satisfied with the number we save because we're always focused on that one more that needs to be reached and say, well, pastor, that seems like a negative way to look at it. It's, it's the way Christ looked at it. In Matthew, Jesus told us that. Matthew chapter 18, look at the verse with me right here. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, jump to that. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? He says, if a shepherd's got a hundred sheep and one of them strays, do you think he says, well, you just go ahead and go get yourself killed. You just go ahead and get yourself lost. He's got a sheep that is being out there being devoured by a wolf that has stolen it from the flock or that is walking in a dangerous place and he doesn't realize how dangerous this place is and is going to fall and is going to hurt himself or even kill himself. And if he gets hurt, he will not be in a place where he can call or nobody can rescue him. And so the shepherd cares so much about that one. Yet I think a lot of times we're pastors, a lot of times we get like that hot shot in the movie The Guardian. And we're all about the ones we gather instead of the one that's lost. Because we can say, hey, we got 200 and something people here today. Praise God. But what about the 22? What about the 22 who aren't here today? Because here's, here's the numbers that truly, really, really matter to God. And that is the hurting, the struggling, those who are lonely, those who are disconnected. Those out there who are confused, those whose lives are broken, those who just like that one sheep are in a dangerous place, they're lost and they don't know how to get back to safety. Those are the numbers that matter. It's a, you know, I know it's, it sounds like Jesus is saying, you don't matter today. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, we're here. I'm here. It's like Caleb saying, I know where my mountain is. I'm good. I'm good. I know, I know God's already promised me my mountain. Now let me go help find somebody else's mountain for them. That's what he's talking about. So here, let me take it a little deeper. Let me blow your mind just a little bit more. Because now, you, you, I mean, if, you, if you're mishearing this, you're thinking I'm saying you aren't important. But let me blow your mind just a little bit more. Is that the number that is, is important, numbers that matter, is not converts and conversions, not in the way we think of, that's not the important matter either. It is not the number of converts that matters. Because, you know, what is a convert? You know, we, we use the term to, to quickly explain what it means to follow Jesus. Yet a lot of times that's exactly what churches have done. We have made following Jesus a quick thing. It's like, say this, you know, 30 second prayer and you'll be a convert. Say this little prayer with me. Come to, the, come to the front of the church at the end of service and we're going to pray with you and, and you'll be a convert. You'll be converted and you'll be on God's side and, and everything will be wonderful. And it ain't, is it? Come on, let's be real here, right? I mean, a five-minute prayer does not make everything all right. It doesn't do it. And it's, that's not really what a conversion is. You know, it, it, you know almost, it's like we've, we've gotten to believe the word convert the way a lot of people look at convert. Is, you know, and, and, and really converting to a new church or a different religion or another way of thinking, a, a, the, a different theology, has never changed one life. 
Not just converting to a belief system. Talking about something deeper here. Jesus Christ did not die to win converts. He didn't die to change people's attitudes. He died to change people's lives. He died to change people's eternity. He died to change your relationship with him. It's about more than just making a couple of converts. It's about more than than counting the numbers of people who are sitting in church pews across the world on a Sunday morning. It's about more than just counting the people who are members of a church. It's about more than counting the amount of tithe dollars that come in. We gotta have those because we've got a mission to fulfill, but it's about more than all of those things. It's not about counting those, and, and this is something I'm going to get into in, in another sermon in, in this series, but he, here's the point. Is it's not about getting conversions. It's about making disciples. Jesus didn't die so you could come to the front of a church and spend about five minutes with him talking one time. He died to change your life. And, 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 you know, converting to the different ideologies or a different church, or that doesn't change a thing. Because true conversion is a supernatural thing. True conversion is a supernatural work of God on your life. True life change happens when God begins to work. And that's what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, that you have up there. When he says, I planted the seed, this is Paul writing, he says, I, Paul, planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos, another minister that had come through Corinth, he says, Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. I plant seed every Sunday morning, and other people, small group leaders, and maybe some of you follow other ministers and, and, and you listen to them on, on tapes or, you know, or watch them on TV you know, and, and they're watering or, or maybe they're planting and on Sunday I'm watering. or what, But none of that really matters because true life change is a supernatural thing that only God can bring. And so it, you know, it, just, it just occurred to me quite a few years ago that these numbers that we count, I mean, how, how, do, how do we even really count and really even know? I mean, we, we all the time know that everybody, I mean, you have a revival and you have a hundred people come to the front and they all say the sinner's prayer and, and you know they all did that and you count a hundred converts, but were there any real conversions where lives were truly changed? That's what matters. And you know, that's not, that's not a metric, that's not a thing you can really, you can really count in those ways. It, it, it's hard to count and so we need to start counting different things. So we need to start counting people who are walking and following after Christ. Jesus called his disciples and when he called them, he said, follow me. He didn't say, come on, let me change your attitude. He said, follow me and do what I'm going to teach you to do. And I will teach you to also rescue men and see their lives change. Also, here's my prayer in 2015 for every single one of you. And and all the folks that, that can't be here today because of sicknesses and got a lot of sickness right now. Here's my prayer for every single one of you. And if you're a first-time attender, if you attend another church, you happen to be visiting with us today, I pray this over you in 2015 also. Here it is. And is it up there? Yeah. That you will be instrumental in helping bring true life change to one person's life this year. That's what God led me to pray for you this year. That's what God led me to lead you in this year. You know, and I'm asking God, I said, well, God, why, why am I not preaching this? It wasn't time to preach it in January. It's time to preach it right now. 
five Sundays before Easter and it's time to preach it right now. It's for you to be instrumental in helping bring true life change to one person's life this year. Five weeks from today is Easter. One of, the, one of the most important days on the Christian calendar, one of the most easy days to get people to come to church, even people that don't love Jesus and don't even know him, never met him. It's because it's Easter. Everybody, you know, everybody ought to go to church on Easter. So this is the day. And so this is why God set us up for these next, that's why these next few services are for that because God wants you to know this is your opportunity. You got to take advantage of it. We got to get back to being who we are. And, and 2911, I mean, God's doing it. 44 Regular attenders, not, not visitors. Those are people who are now regularly attending the church that just started since we've been here. 54% of the people. There are more people sitting here with me right now that were out of church before coming to 2911 than were in church before coming to 2911. God is doing this, but God says, I want you to see it. Because, you know, a lot of the numbers that we're counting, we're counting our numbers. God's given you one number this year. Hear this. This is, this is what God laid on my heart for you is one number for you to be instrumental in helping bring true life change to one person's life in 2015. For you to focus on that. For you to begin, for you to begin helping make that happen. But, but some things got to change. We got to change some attitudes about some things. So let, me, let me talk to you about one thing that we got to change here in this message. Uh, two things about it, but one thing, and that is our attitude toward church attendance. Okay, now you've heard that. Some of you going to check me. You're going to, you know, check out for the next couple of minutes because you think I'm going to tell you that you need to be here more regularly. Well, I would like to, but that's not God's word for this. Okay, <laughs> I'd like to tell you, yeah, you need to be in church every time the doors open. But that's that's not what I'm talking about here. Here's what you need to hear. Okay, and th this is this is this is not a statistic from a survey. This is from my experience as a pastor, and I've pastored for 20, just a little over 20 years. Okay, I've pastored for a little over 20 years, and I know this from my personal experience. Is it 90%, and, and, and again, that's, not, that's why it's 90, it's not 89 point something, it's, this is the best I can, it's 90% of the people who leave church, talk about people who come to church, get in church, but then they end up leaving. They get de-churched, 90% of those end up leaving because they were coming to church for the wrong reason in the first place. I'm going to tell you what that reason is in just a moment, but let me, let me qualify this for just a second because some of you, some of you are back in church today. You were de-churched. You came back to 2911 because you, got, you, you were out of church in the first place because you got hurt. Somebody abused you. I don't mean that somebody talked to you a little snippy and you, you just got your feelings hurt and you went home and you never came back. No, I, I, you're in that 90%, okay? I'm not talking about those who are just a little touchy. Those who are just petty about your stuff, okay? If, you, if that was you, you were in the 90, okay? But there are truly some people who were abused. Abused in churches. And, and I don't mean sexually, but that has happened in some churches. But I mean, you were abused, you were mishandled, misused, you were fumbled, and you left. So there, there, there's a small group of people. I'm not talking about them in this. I'm talking about 90%, though, of the people who leave church do so because they came for the wrong reason in the first place. You know what that reason is? Themselves. Because they came for themselves. So now I, I really want to help you. You know, the, God has been really trying to help me wrap my mind around this really good. I want, you, I want to help you wrap your mind around it really well. And if you will listen in, in, in my explanation right here, you will hear things that we have been saying all along in our six and a half years as a church 
2911. You will hear things that, that we have said all along. You will hear them right here. This is something God's been, la- it has been ingrained within us, but we still sometimes don't get it because we still come to church for ourselves. And that's the wrong reason to come to church. We're not called to be here for ourselves. We need to be here for two other, there are two other reasons, two things that we need to be here for God. We need to be here to, to bring him glory. Whether he's blessed us or not this week, we need to be here to bring him glory. But, but he has blessed us, hasn't he? We do have his grace that is changing us. We do have his love that is chasing after us. He has blessed us tremendously. But the other reason we need to be here is for each other. And, we, and, and, and if you're going to bring true life change into anybody's life, that's, that's the first thing you've got to change is you've got to start coming to church for a different reason. Quit coming for yourself and start coming for somebody else and for God to worship him, glorify him, but to come for other people. Because here, here's, here's the thing. It's, and I know some would say, well, are you saying that church isn't supposed to be for me? I'm not supposed to be here for myself. God's not going to meet. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying God's not going to meet your needs. But here's the problem is, is when we come to church for ourselves. Now, when we come to church for ourselves at the very beginning, if you're a new Christian and you come to church for yourself, you're like a babe in Christ. And you know what, you know what parents do with babies, don't you? They give them everything they want and need and all that, you know. But eventually they start getting older. You know what? You know, you know those terrible twos? You know, why, you know why we call them the terrible twos? You know, it's because we start telling kids things, they've, a word that they've never heard in their life until they're about two years old. We start using that word no. And they've heard no for the first time in their life and all of a sudden they pitch a fit. That's why we call it the terrible twos. It's because they've been given every, every, you know, every time they cry, we either stick something in one end or we change something on the other end, right? You know, all they got to do is just whimper a little bit, you know, and grandmothers from all up and down the street are coming to see what's wrong with the baby, right? All of a sudden, two years old, we start telling them, no, it's time for them to grow up. The same thing with us. You may have, you know, when you first become a Christian, you, you come to church and you're coming here for what you need. And, and God is, is a merciful God, gracious, and he's, he's treating you like that babe in Christ. You know, he's, what, you know if you need, you need help with something, he's sticking something in one end. And if you need change on the other end, God's willing to help you change, clean up some stuff, start it all over, you know, give you something fresh on that, all that. Yeah, he's willing to do it, but there comes a time you got to change. You got to grow up and realize, wait a minute, it's not just all about me. But you see, when people keep coming to church when it's, and it's all about them, I'm here because I've got a need this week. You know, and when you come to church because you've got a need, you're setting yourself up for a fail because, you, you know, you're going to eventually come. If you ha- I mean, if you've been going to church for a while, this has happened to you. You've come to church with a need and pastor didn't preach on my need. Now, why couldn't God have told him what my need was today? You know, why, you know I know God could, t- could, pastor just ain't listening to God. You know, and so then what do we begin doing? We begin saying, I'm not getting fed. I'm not, now, if you haven't been in church a long time, that don't mean anything to you, but you've been here for a while or you've been in church for a while, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's the biggest reason, that's the number one reason most people give for leaving a church is I'm not being fed. The worship team didn't sing the song that I really needed that was going to encourage me today. They sang, they sang some fast songs instead of that one that I really needed to touch my heart. Or they sang slow songs and I didn't want to pick me up. You know, or even my small group. My small group, they're just, not, they're just not taking the time of this or whatever. You know, and so, it's, so it's easy to start when you start coming for yourself. You see, here's the thing. Church, yes, is about you until you make it about yourself. But see, it's that first is last thing. You remember what Jesus said that? The first will be last and the last will be first. You know what that means? That means when you come to church and you want to be first in line, God says, no, you're back of the line today. But when you come to church and you say, I'm last and let me, let me see how I can bless and I can help somebody else. 
Then God puts you in the front of the line. I mean, ask people around you. Ask those who were getting, getting miracles happen in their life. Now, when they were a new Christian, yeah, a lot of those things were happening, but when they became an older Christian, it was because they were beginning to see that God wants to use me in something else. And so when you begin to allow God to use you and you start coming to church because somebody here is going to need me today, and you say, you say I'm going to be there because somebody needs me, because somebody is watching me, and somebody, I, I can pray for somebody, I can encourage somebody today, I can hand somebody a cup of coffee, I can shake their hand, hug their neck, and tell them they, they're important, they mean something. We got, a, we got a lady that, that she says she comes every Sunday just so she can store up some hugs so she can live on them the rest of the week. I mean, you can come be that lady. You want to know who she is? I'll tell you. you, know, you can, that way we can get her a bunch more. But that's the attitude we've got to have because as soon as we start getting this attitude that I've come to church for me, then God has to put us in the back of the line. I mean, once, once you get, you know, two or three years into your Christianity, especially. So, I mean, when, when you start saying, well, I'm just not getting my needs met anymore in church and you start getting, so I, I don't know church is working out for me anymore. The reason it's not, is, you see, you, you got to understand, everything connects with God. You can't just choose part of what you want from God and, and ignore the rest. And when he calls you and he says, come on, you gotta, you gotta help me with my yoke here. You gotta understand that's where your need is gonna be met. It's when you take your mind off your stuff and you put your mind on his. Because he says when, when you get tired, when you are labored down, when you, are, when you have the heavy weight on you, he said, he said, hand that to me and you take my stuff. And that's how he, that's how he meets your needs. I can't tell you the number of times I have come to the platforms, not just as this pastor, 20 years. I can't tell you the number of times I have come sick. I have come with a need, maybe a greater need than anybody else in the church had. And I came and I said, God, I don't even know how, how to preach today because I'm, I, I feel like I'm the one in most need than anyone in this building. How am I supposed to preach? And God said, preach anyway. Share what I get, and, and I do. And, and in the middle of that, a healing takes place in my body. Or when I get home, the need that I had was taken care of. Why? Because I took my heavy burden and I put on him and I took what he, his need, his concern for these. And I took it on me and then he took care of my need because I can't fix a healing, a sickness. I can't fix a disease. I can't fix my, my financial need that I have today. I can't fix those things, but he can. And so if I'll take what he's, what, what he's concerned about today, if I'll, I'll make sure hands are shaking, you know, and, and necks are hugged, and I'll pray for those who need If I'll take care of him, then he'll take care of what my needs are. That, that's the whole thing. And, um, I, I got to share this with you. I, I'm, I'm really trying to hurry here, but I got I to share this with you. Because here, here's what I've seen. So much of when, when people come to church for themselves, you know, a lot of, a lot of times what'll happen is you'll only be here when you have a need. You know, if things are going pretty well this week, well, I, I, I don't know. We, we, we need to go to church tomorrow. Nobody's sick, so we don't need to go get prayed for. You know, uh, you know, all the bills are paid. We don't need to go ask God for, you know, a financial blessing. Do we really need to go? That, this happens. I know it happens because I've watched it happen. I, and and I've, got, I've got this story in my head of you know, this time that it, it, more than any, any time I think about this, my mind, I can't help it, but my mind goes back to the story of this lady. 
She came to our house, when we were pastoring our first church, she came to our house, she sat down, she, she had all these problems and she was telling us, she was crying and all this. And I, and I, was, I was, you know, called her name and said, you, you know, you got to just start letting God help. You got to quit going through all this stuff. And, and so she, she was at church that next Sunday, that Sunday morning. And after church, you know, she was asking people, you got to pray with me because of all these, you know, sharing all this same stuff. And, and so people prayed with her, you know, people gathered around. After church, you know, people were talking to her, and, you know, and encouraging her and, and almost called her name, but you probably wouldn't know her anyway, but just, just in case you listen to this podcast later, and uh, I, I try not to, but you know, and, and people were talking to her, encouraging her, you know, you got to be, and, and, and she was walking out of there on cloud nine. It was like, oh man, this has been so awesome. I feel like God is really listening to me again today. He's given me friends that are praying for me, that are lifting me up, that I know I can call on this week if I've got, and we didn't see her again for six months. And I can't tell you how many times that has happened because I don't have a need today. So I go, when you come to church only for yourself, that's when it's so easy to leave church. That's why 90% is because, because of that one thing, because of, those two, because of those two ways of that one thing. It's when they're only coming for themselves. Let, let me say this and, and, and try to get on a hurry and, and try to hurry here. It's because here's the other thing that's got to change. You remember me talking last week about finding a church and the way most of us look for a church, we look for a church that is friendly or has a great event or, you know, has the things that we like or whatever. And that's the wrong ways to look for a church, even though most of those things you can find at 2911. Here's what you need to find in a church if you want to change lives, is you need to find a church that is a safe yet challenging environment that you can bring them into. Challenging meaning, if you want to change a life, you can't tell them that everything they're doing is okay. Just don't worry about it. God's going to fix it somehow in the end. That will never change a life. They have to be challenged. They need to grow up. At some point, they need to become terrible twos and hear God say, no, do it this way. That's, that's life. They need to be challenged, but they also need to be challenged in a safe place. Because a lot of us grew up in places where we were challenged, but weren't very safe. You never knew what crazy, idiotic thing somebody was going to do or say. So you need to find a church, a place that is safe, yet challenging. And I think you found that in 2911. Because that's a big part of what we try to be. Is we want to challenge you, but we want to be safe. So that you know you can bring your lost friends and family members to a place right here. That you know they won't be abused. You know they'll be challenged, but you know they'll be challenged in a safe way, in the way God intended them to be. See, so when you find a place like that, then you feel comfortable inviting them to come. It's kind of why I like to say everybody ought to attend a church they brag about. You know, if your church is not a safe place to take people to, then you'll never brag about them because you're afraid they might show up and they might get hurt. But if you know your church is a safe place, you're a challenging place, that's the place you want to take them. That's what you need to look for in a church. So if you're a, if you're a, a visitor today, just share that with you if you're looking for it. But if, you're, if this is where you belong, you need to realize, I hope that that's what you found here, is that 2911 is a safe yet challenging place that you can bring them to. Why, why do you need to be changing other lives? Remember me saying this? Everything is connected, okay? Uh, Carl Henry was asked. Carl Henry was the first editor of, Christian, uh, of Christianity Today magazine. He's gone on to be with the Lord about 10 years ago or so. And he was asked, 
Is there any hope for the next generation? Look what he says. I love how he says this. Of course there's hope for the next generation of evangelicals. But the leaders of the next generation might not be coming from the current evangelical establishment. Here's what he's saying. He said that the next leaders of the evangelicals may not even be alive yet, may not even be uh, alive yet, or they may not even be saved yet. They may not be in church yet. They're probably still pagans. Who knew Saul of Tarsus, who was... Remember what he was doing? He was hauling people out of churches, hauling people out of their houses because they were Christians and taking them to jail. Who knew that Saul of Tarsus was to be the great apostle Paul to the Gentiles? Or who knew that God would raise up a C.S. Lewis or a Charles Colson? They were unbelievers who, once saved by the grace of God, were mighty warriors for the faith. And see, some of the people that God intends on you helping bring life change to, they are going to be the next C.S. Lewis, Charles Colson, maybe Billy Graham or Apostle Paul. That's why God wants you to. And, and listen, some of you today, you may not know Christ. You may not be following him today. Understand this. is We're not in this to get another number or two. We're in this because we want to see your life changed. I want, I want to see your life changed. And, and I hope you'll come back the next few weeks and you'll see some of the testimony, the stories that we have, a video of true life change and how it's happening. I hope you'll come back and hear those because I also want to share with you some of the ways that that's going to happen. But I invite you in just a few moments when we close, I invite you to, to pray with us and ask God to not convert you, to ask God to forgive you of your sins and to start changing your life and making tomorrow different than your yesterday. So let's count. And let's count what God's counting, okay? Let's, let's quit counting what men count. And let's count what God counts. And what does God count? God counts the ones who are hurting, struggling, lonely, disconnected, uh, confused, broken, and lost. Let's count the ones God is counting. You know anybody like that? Come on. Okay, everybody in this room, get a name or two. Come on, think about it. How many people do you know like that? How many people do you know that are hurting? Everybody get, get, a, get a number in your mind, okay? Get a name, get a number. How many hurting, struggling, lonely, disconnected, confused, broken, lost people do you know? Close, close to, you know, not people on the other side of the earth or somebody that you just met one or two, but really true close. Get a, get a number in your mind. I want, I want every one of you to get a number in your mind because I want us to count that number today because that's the number that matters to God. Ushers, go ahead if you will. The usher's going to hand you a piece of paper. If you need an ink pen, they've got, they've got ink pens also. And uh, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to write that number down there. You say, Pastor, I know, two, I know two broken people. Write two on that piece of paper. I know five people that are broken, hurting, struggling, lost. Don't write your name on it. All we're going to do is count the number. We're not going to sign anything. We just want to count the number. How many people do we know that are lost, broken, hurting? Struggling, confused, lonely. How many people do we know? Get that number. And if you, you know, it's not going to be a perfect number, is it? Because as soon as you write that number down, you're going to think of one more person, right? But let's do this as an exercise today, okay? Just to get started. It won't be a perfect number, but just get it started. And then hold it in your hand. Just hold it in your hand. Don't give it back to the usher. If they try to take it, don't, take, don't let them have it. You hang on to it, okay? Hold it in your hand just another minute or two.
How many hurting people do you know? How many broken people do you know? Mm. Worship team, y'all can come on if you want to. You won't you won't hinder anything. Ah, it's going to take just a couple of minutes, but this is important. Just an exercise for us to think about it. Counting what well, goes. Everybody got paper so far? Everybody got paper? And they have ink pens also. Does everybody have a piece of paper? Everybody written down? Who doesn't have a piece of paper yet? Everybody got one? everybody got it written down? Are you still waiting on ink pens or something? After the song, I'm going to come back, tell everybody the number. And we've got membership too. Okay. A little different today, a little different in our closing, but the rest of it's not going to be too much different. But All right, Everybody got a number written down? I want to ask you to do something. You can lay the ink pen down if you want to or stick it in your pocket. Um, it's, if you grab one from the ushers, it's a church logo pen. It's advertising. Take it somewhere. Leave it somewhere else. So let's let somebody else find it or whatever, okay? Stick it in your pocket uh, if you want to. But I want you to take that piece of paper you've got in your hand, and I want you to stand, if you will, and bring it to the front with you, if you will. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song, final prayer, and we invite you to join us. We don't do anything weird down here, but we invite you to join us. Bring that piece of paper with you, if you will, okay? Because we're counting what's important to God today. And here's what I want you to do. I wanted you to bring that piece of paper with you because I want you to now bring it to the usher. And I know this the usher just gave it to you, but I wanted you to bring it this morning. So would you just put that, uh, a couple of our ushers have a bag, three of our ushers have bags. Just bring it, drop it in the bag. As we're bringing that number, just yeah, in a way symbolically, bringing that number to God, to our time of prayer. And contrary to popular belief, pastor doesn't do these things every once in a while just to make sure you're listening and to keep him from getting too bored. This, this really, really does have purpose, okay? Okay, purpose. So bring you a piece of paper. We've got a couple of ushers over here. We've got one over here. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for indulging the pastor today, humoring him. All right. The ushers are now going to count that number, and they're going to give us a grand total. Because I want to share that with you. But just before we do that, we're going to sing a final song. Just before we do that, we're going to have a prayer, okay? And uh, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to, to realize, recognize, remember, is that a changed world begins with one changed life. Jesus Christ was one life that changed 12 men and then 70 other disciples and then several hundreds, and they started changing the world by thousands. And, and today, everybody, 
I mean, it is, it is without any argument, hands down, no one would argue this point, that no one life has ever changed more people or changed history of this world than the man Jesus Christ. There is not a book that has ever been written that has been printed in more languages and sold more copies or copies given away than the Bible, the Word of God. And that all began. It didn't begin with a huge crusade. It didn't begin with a TV ministry. It began with Jesus Christ as a man, not flying around because he's God. I can fly around and make all these different appointments by just walking around on the feet and legs of a man, using the hands and the arms of a man to reach out, to care, to love. He took, he took, he took the little kids up, right? He took the little kids up. This is the kind of thing Jesus would do. This, this is it. And the world changed because of this. I'm praying you change one little piece of the world this year. Would you bow with me and pray? Jamie, go ahead when you can. Father. Just give him praise in this place this morning. Let's worship him. Okay, this is a beautiful crowd. But let me tell you what God's counted. By this number, what God's counting today is God's counting 817 people that are... Look at it. Now you're clapping. Is that a clap in faith? This is, this, is a, this is how many people God has given us that we need to reach. People that are hurting. 817 people that are struggling with life, lonely, disconnected, confused, broken, lost, 817. If God, if Jesus is the good shepherd, those are the ones he's looking for today. He's receiving our praise. He's receiving our worship. He is thankful for the way we're ministering to one another, but he's looking for these 817 that are being devoured by the wolves, that are walking in dangerous places and don't even realize it. That's who he's looking for. So I'm praying one at a time, one at a time, you are going to start changing lives around you, one at a time, one at a time. And one of the easiest things to do is just, just, just befriend them and then bring them to a safe yet challenging place.